Welcome to the Enchanted Library, where we turn the pages of books, beautiful and old, living and magical. It's time to curl up, get cozy, and join us on an adventure. Today we're reading from An Enchanted Garden, Fairy Stories, by Mrs. Molesworth. Chapter 2 The children were not very fortunate in their nurse. Perhaps this helped them to make them feel lonely and dull sometimes, when there scarcely seemed to be real reason for their being so. She was a good woman, and meant to be kind, and their mother trusted her completely, but she was getting old, and was rather tired of children. She had such a lot to bring up, the four big brothers and sisters of Rafe and Alex, and before them a large family of their cousins. And I don't think she was really fond of children, though she was devoted to tiny babies. She didn't in the least understand children's fancifulness, or many of their little ways, and was far too fond of saying, "'Stuff and nonsense, Master Rafe,' or Miss Alex, as the case may be. The walk this afternoon would not have been any livelier than usual, so far as Nurse was concerned." But the children were so brimful of their new ideas that they felt quite bright and happy, and after a while even Nurse was won over to enter into their talk, or at least answer their questions pretty cheerfully. For though, of course, they had not the least idea of telling her their secret, it was too much on their minds for them not to chatter around it so to stay. "'Have you ever seen a fairy, Nurse?' said Alex, and rather to her surprise, Nurse answered quite seriously, "'No, my dear,' Time was, I suppose, such things were to be seen, but that's past and gone. People have to work too hard nowadays to give any thought to fairies or fairyland. But on the whole, this reply was rather encouraging. You must have heard of fairies, though, said Rafe. Can't you remember any stories about them? Nurse had never been great at storytelling. Oh, dear no, Master Rafe, she replied. I never knew any except the regular old ones, that you've got far prettier in your books than I could tell them. Sayings I might have heard, just countryside talk, when I was a child. My old granny, who lived and died in the village here, would have it that, for those who cared to look for them, there were odd sights and sounds in the grounds of the old house down the lane. Beautiful singing her mother had heard there when she was a girl, and once, when a cow strayed there for a night, they said that when she came out again, she was twice the cow she had been before, and that no milk was ever as good as hers. The children looked at each other. I wonder why they didn't turn all the cows in there, said Rafe practically. Why didn't they, nurse? Oh, dear me, Rafe, that is more than I can tell. It was but an old tale. You can't expect much sense in such. Whom did the old house belong to? Who lived there? asked Alex. Nobody knows, said nurse. It's too long ago to say, but there's always been good luck about that place, it's certain. You've seen the flowers there in the summertime. Some of them look as beautiful as if they were in a proper garden, and it's certain sure there's no wood near here like it for the nightingales. This was very satisfactory so far as it went, but Nurse would say no more, doubtless because she had nothing more to say. I do believe, Rafe, said Alex, when they were sitting together after tea, that the old garden is a sort of entrance to fairyland, and that it's been waiting for us to find it out. Her eyes were shining with eagerness, 
and Rafe, too, felt very excited. I do hope Mama will let us have all tomorrow to ourselves, he said. You see, one has to be very careful with fairies, Alex. All the stories agree about that. We must go to work very cautiously, so as not to offend them in any way. You're always cautious, said Alex, with a little contempt. Rather too cautious for me. Of course, we shall be very polite, and take care not to spoil any of the plants. But we'll have to be a little venturesome, too. And, she went on, you may count that they've invited us. The wren brought a regular message. I only hope they're not offended with us by not going today. If they're good kind of fairies, said Rafe sagely, and I think they're sure to be, they wouldn't have liked us to be disobedient. And you know Mama's awfully particular about our coming in the moment we hear the bell ring. Yes, said Alex, that's true. Mama's heart was extra soft that evening, I think. She had seen so little of the children lately that she was feeling rather sorry for them, and all the more ready to agree to any wish of theirs. So they had no difficulty in getting her consent to their picnic plan for tomorrow. And the weather was wonderfully settled, as it sometimes is even in England, though early in the year. So the next morning saw them set off, carrying a little basket of provisions and a large parasol, full of eagerness and excitement to what might be before them. They did not cross the lawn as they had done the day before, for they had a sort of feeling that they did not wish anyone to see them start, or know exactly which way they went. It added to the pleasant mystery of the expedition, so they went straight out by the front gates, and, after following the high road for a quarter mile or so, entered a little wood which skirted the grass-grown lane along one side, and from which they made their way out with some scrambling and clambering at only a few yards' distance from the entrance to the deserted garden where they had last seen the wren. The sight of the gate-posts reminded Alex of the bird, and she stopped short with some misgiving. "'Rafe,' she said, "'do you think perhaps we should have waited for her at the ilex tree? I never thought of it before.' "'Oh, no,' said Rafe. "'I'm sure it's all right.' We've come to the place she led us to. She didn't need to show us the way twice. Fairies don't like stupid people. You seem to know a great lot about fairies, said Alex, who had no idea of being snubbed herself, though she was very fond of snubbing other people. So I think you'd better settle what we're to do. I expect we'll find the wren inside the gate, said Rafe, and they made their way on in silence. There was no difficulty in getting into the grounds for though the gate on its rusty hinges would have been far too heavy for the children to move, there was a space between it and the posts where the wood had rotted away, through which it was easy for them to creep. First came Rafe, then the basket, next Alex, and finally the big parasol. It would have been a good while since they had been in the Ladywood garden, and when they had got on their feet again, they stood still for a minute or two looking round them. It was a curious-looking place, certainly, the very beauty of it had something strange and dreamlike about it. Here and there the old paths were clearly to be traced. The main approach, or drive as we should now call it, leading to where the house had been was still quite distinct, though the house itself was entirely gone. Not even any remains of ruins were to be seen, for all the stone and wood of which it had been built had been long been carted away to be used elsewhere. But the children knew where the old hall had actually stood, a large, square, level plateau, bordered on three sides by a broad terrace, and all grass-grown, showing in two or three places where stone steps had once led down to the lower grounds, told its own tale. Along the front of this plateau, supporting it as if it were, there was still a strongly built stone wall, banked up into the soil. 
The children walked on slowly till they were near the foot of this wall, and then stood still again. It was about five feet high. They seemed attracted to it. They scarcely knew why. Perhaps it was because it was the only remaining thing actually to show that there had once been a home where people had lived. I dare say, said Alex, looking up, that the children used to run along the terrace at the top of that wall, and their mamas and nurses would call after them to take care they didn't fall over. Doesn't it seem funny, Rafe, to think that there have always been children in the world? I dare say the boys jump down sometimes, said Rafe. I'd like to try, but I won't today, for I promised Mama to take care of you, and if I sprained my ankle it would be rather awkward. They had forgotten their little quarrel, and for the moment they had forgotten about the wren. She was nowhere to be seen. What was to be done? If we were only looking for a nice place for our picnic, said Rafe, nothing could be better than the shelter of this wall. With it on one side and the parasol tilted up on the other, it would be as good as a tent. But we're not only looking for a picnic place, said Alex impatiently. The only thing to do is poke about till we find something, for I'm perfectly certain the wren didn't bring us here for nothing. And then, you know, there's even what nurse told us about this garden. Alex's words roused Rafe's energy again, for he was a trifle lazy, and wouldn't have altogether been disinclined to sit down comfortably and think about dinner. But once he got a thing in his head, he was not without ideas. Let's follow right along the wall, he said, and examine it closely. I don't know what you expect to find, said Alex. It's just a wall, as straight and plain as can be. And so indeed it seemed from where they stood. I'll look all along the ground, in case there might be a ring fixed in a stone somewhere, like in the Arabian Nights. That's a regular fairy sort of plan, said Alex. Very well, agreed Rafe. You can do that, and I'll keep tapping the wall to see if it sounds hollow anywhere. And so they proceeded, Alex carrying the basket now, and Rafe the parasol, as it came in handy for his tapping. For some moments neither of them spoke. Alex's eyes were fixed on the ground. Once or twice, where it looked rough and uneven, she stooped to examine it more closely. But nothing came of it, except a little grumbling from Rafe at her stopping all the way. To avoid this, she ran on a few paces in front of him, so that when, within a few yards of the end of the wall, her brother suddenly stopped short, she wasn't aware he had done so until she heard him calling her back in a low but eager voice. "'What is it?' she said breathlessly, hurrying back again. "'Alex,' he said, "'there's someone tapping back at us from the other side. Listen!' "'A woodpecker,' said Alex hastily, "'or the echo of your tappings.' She was in such a hurry that she didn't stop to reflect what silly things she was saying. To tell the truth, she didn't quite like the idea of Rafe having the honor and glory of the discovery, if such it was. "'A woodpecker,' repeated Rafe. "'What nonsense! Do woodpeckers tap inside a wall?' and an echo wouldn't wait till I had finished tapping to begin. It's just like answering me. Listen again. He tapped three times, slowly and distinctly, and then stopped. Yes, sure enough, there came what seemed indeed like an answer. Three clear, sharp little raps, clearer and sharper indeed than those he made with the parasol handle. Alex was now quite convinced. It sounds like a little silver hammer, she said. "'Oh, Rafe, suppose we've really found something magic!' And her bright eyes danced with eagerness. Rafe did not reply. He seemed intent on listening. "'Alex,' he said, "'the tapping is going on, a little farther off now. Then it comes back again, 
as if it was to lead us on. It must be on purpose. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and share our podcast with a friend. Stay connected by following us on Facebook at facebook.com slash enchantedlibrary. If you'd like to support the work we do, you can visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash enchantedlibrary. We appreciate your support. Until next time, friends, happy reading.